Hey guys, welcome to my channel. My name is Dr. Tom LaHue and we're going to be talking about type 6 again today. We're going to talk about uh, the need to manage risks and this information comes from Beatrice Chestnut's book, The Enneagram Guide to Waking Up. Uh, as always, in the description below is a link to my website, TomLahue.com, where you can book coaching appointments, Enneagram coaching, Enneagram relationship coaching, whatever I can do to help, please reach out. I'd love to talk with you and meet you. Um, also, um, there is a link on my website to the classes that I offer, the certificate programs and Enneagram coaching and training. And uh, there's a page there for events where you can invite me to come speak to your team, to your leadership team or to your staff, uh, to help your team learn to get along better together, work together for common goals, and to understand and have more compassion with themselves and the people that they're working with. Okay, so let's start back into our discussion on type six and risk management. Risk management, you know, there's always a level of risk, right? Whatever we do in life, there's going to be some risk that things won't turn out the way we want them to, or that things could go bad, that things are going to, you know, fall apart. Um, most of us have learned to adapt to that and live with that risk, risk accepting that there's always going to be some risk in life. So let's talk a little bit about what happens maybe in the six mind um, with, with the issues of risks. Notice uh, that you probably excel at risk management and you can even think of like predicting or projecting risks, um, predicting what might go wrong and being able to, you know, be prepared and sort through those risks. Map out all of the risks all the time. It'll be important that you see how you use your imagination, how you use your spinning mind or your spiraling mind uh, to forecast and predict and project uh, whatever could go wrong, your intellect to think about possible dangers. And of course, this could be a great, wonderful asset. You might even have get a job because of this ability to be able to analyze and predict and think through possible scenarios. This could be a great strength at times, but you know, the Enneagram shows us that it's our strengths that sometimes become our greatest Achilles heel or our, our weakness. The very, you know, impulses and compulsions that work for us in one sphere of our life could work against us in other avenues or other areas of our life. So notice if you use your fast moving mind or your brilliant mind or your uh, highly adapted risk management mind to uh, think through potential dangers or possible dangers that exist in any given situation. Gathering data, observing, analyzing, studying, questioning, and yes, even testing people. Testing people to see if they're gonna be honest with you. Testing people to see if they're going to be sincere. Testing their sincerity. Testing whether they are people of their word, whether you can trust them, whether they have integrity or not. Maybe you might ask a question that uh, you already know the answer to, just to see just to see if this other person is going to be uh, truthful with you. If they're not, then maybe you'll call them out or maybe you'll just in your mind put a big red X on them and say, okay, I know enough about that person to know they're not going to be somebody I want on my team. They're not gonna be somebody I need in my circle. They're not reliable, they're not dependable, they're not trustworthy, they're not honest. I just want you to realize this isn't a bad thing. I just want you to realize that there are probably other people on the Enneagram who give very little thought or attention to any of this. 
Like they just kind of go out into the world expecting everybody to be fine, expecting everybody to play a friend card, expecting everybody to be sincere and not even really concerned if people aren't so sincere. Kind of like, oh wow, I never even considered that somebody wouldn't be a person of their word. I'm shocked and surprised. And this naive way of living, I get it. It probably seems ridiculous to you. Um, seems like a good way to end up in trouble or a good way to end up a victim. But this naive way of living is probably, um, in its own way, um, let's see, how do I want to say this? This naive outlook that everybody is probably my friend and everything is probably going to work out fine, although that could have its potential dangers as well, um, could bring a lot of peace into someone's life um, so that they don't spend a lot of time um, potentially concerned about things that are probably not going to happen. So I'll just let that simmer there on the back burner for a while. Okay, what else does she say? She says, uh, notice if you do all of this, what's she talking about? She's talking about the observing, the analyzing, the studying, the questioning, the testing of people. All of this may be done so that you can in part get a better sense of control over the situation or a control over life or a control over the outcomes of whatever might you might be working on or focused on, whatever risks that are being presented to you. So there's a sense in which this is about control, which control always is connected in some way to trust. Um, trusting whether or not things are gonna work out okay or not. Trusting whether or not somebody's gonna be there to protect you or have your back or whether you've got support. Trust and security. Okay, while managing risks may create anxiety in you, you may try to find a sense of peace or security by preparing for every possible thing. Now, is that possible? Can you actually prepare for every possible thing? No. I mean, objectively, no. You can't prepare for everything. How many times do things just out of the blue just happen? You get a phone call, somebody's been in a car accident, or you get a pain in your side, and you go to the doctor and find out that it's something serious. Um, a lot of times these surprises just pop up out of nowhere. And interestingly enough, a lot of times the things that we are terrified of, that we would never want or wish for or invite into our life, often become a great source of blessing for us. In other words, the very thing that we're trying to protect ourselves against, over time we may look back at it and say, you know, getting in that car accident, forever changed my life or losing everything and going bankrupt was now I see the greatest thing that could have happened to me. Getting arrested and spending a night in jail, getting um, you know, caught, shoplifting, whatever it is, those things that getting fired from your job, all of these things that we would seek to protect ourselves from, to take every course of action we can to try to prevent in our life. In our old age, we may very well look back on those events and say, you know, if it wasn't for that crisis, if it wasn't for that hardship, if it wasn't for going through that hard time, I don't know that I would have changed in this way or that way. 
What if all of it is going according to plan? What if all of it is working out um, by a higher plan or a higher purpose? I realize that the Enneagram can move us into spiritual conversations, um, which can be good for us to have to try to think through uh, these, these, these things. Okay, so every possible thing could go wrong, but this may backfire. Okay, good point. All of this overthinking and overfocusing on what could happen, on what could go wrong, and predicting and planning and projecting and testing people, hear, hear what she says. It could all go wrong in that all of this backfires on you. Well, what does she mean? How could this backfire? And make you more anxious. In other words, you know, whatever you focus your attention on is what's going to grow in your life. And if you're focused on the things that make you anxious, well, in one sense, it feels like I need to in order to solve these problems. But in another way of thinking, the more you focus on the things that make you anxious, the more anxious you're going to feel. Right? I mean, the more you focus on a problem, the more problematic the problem's going to seem. The more you talk about it, the more you uh, interact with it. I mean, what if you f moved your attention away to an ocean scene? What if you moved your attention away to a nature scene? What if you moved your attention away to television or to music or anything else? You're going to find a bit of relief, at least for the moment. And that relief could be very necessary to have a break for a minute so you can like regroup and regather your thoughts and take a breath, come back to yourself, be present to life so that you can then come back to the problem with fresh eyes or fresh perspective or fresh energy, we might say. So notice how this over-focusing, which you think is a good thing and sometimes can be, it sometimes is why people hire you or why people look to you as a consultant or as a, as a trusted friend. But notice if this, and it's in some other ways, might come back at you like a double-edged sword and become more problematic to your overall countenance and health and ability to function in life. Okay, so notice if it might backfire and make you more anxious. Thinking about the problems keeps you focused on what is problematic. What a great line. Thinking about the problems makes you focus on what is problematic. In other words, the problem just stays front and center. And I know, I think with sixes, my kind of take on sixes is they want to, they can face any problem. Like sixes are courageous people who could face any challenge, any problem, as long as they can see it, as long as it's in front of them. When it gets behind them and out of their view, that's when sixes, I think, start to hit the panic buttons and then become very anxious trying to sort out and think through and figure out where is it at, where is it coming from, and if I can see it, then I'm going to be okay. If I can keep the other opponent, if I can keep the opponent in front of me, then I'll be okay. I'll be able to face him. Um, that's true if there actually is a problem. What if there was no problem in your life right now? Well, I mean, just imagine. What if there was zero problems in your life, but you were convinced that that's not the case? You were convinced that somehow, somewhere, something is an issue. Do you see how then this causes you to look and say, well, maybe it's my marriage. Maybe it's the way my husband's treating me. Maybe it's at the job. Maybe it's uh, maybe the, the other people in the office are up to something and I need to, I need to figure what's going on. Or maybe it's my kid. You know, they've been coming in 
uh, at curfew, going straight to their room. What's up with that? What's going on in there? I need to, I need to press in to these situations, and I need to ask, you know, questions. And maybe you do, but maybe you don't. Maybe everything is as it should be. Maybe everything is fine, or maybe think everything is okay enough that it doesn't need you to interject. And do you see that, like, assuming that there must be a problem in your marriage and then going and trying to figure that out may actually create a new problem in your marriage and you may your prophecy may come true now there really is a problem in your marriage now there really is a problem at work and with your relationships with the people at work now there really is a problem between you and your child because not because there was one but because your insistence that there must be a problem may now actually create a problem. And so the prophecy comes true only to reaffirm you, aha, I knew I was right. I knew that something was off. I, wa I want you to think about it like this. What if the problem is not out there, but what if it's in you? What if it doesn't exist in your environment, but it exists in you? And really, I think this is one of the lessons of the Enneagram, is every one of us has a problem that exists inside of us. It feels real. It feels like it's outside of us, but it's really inside of us. And what is the problem within the six? Is that there's something that is about to creep up and get me. I can feel it. I can feel it breathing on the back of my neck. I know that there are wolves out here in this forest. Now I need to go and find them. Realize the fear lives in you. The fear lives in you. And then you go looking for who's causing it. And my guess is, is you will probably find that person. And that person will be surprised and not understand how they're causing this fear uh, in your life. But nonetheless, I'll just move away from you or I'll just come straight at you now. And now you will have a problem with people. Okay, so what else? Let's finish this. She says, um, this is going to increase your stress. Of course, it's not gonna make you less stressful. Focusing on your problems is gonna make you more stressful. Oh, but I gotta stay at it until I, until I figure it out. That's kind of, I, I realize sometimes that is the case. Sometimes that is the case. Knowing the difference between when, when it's one of those times and when it's just in my head that is what maturity is going to look like for you as a six. That is what growth and healing and health and maturity is going to look like. When you recognize that my impulses at times are not necessarily based on objective evidence. Look at what's right next to you, type five, objective evidence, Mr. Objective Facts, right? So maturity is going to look like is this one of those times when I really do need to focus on this problem and work to find a solution? Or is this one of those times when my fears are getting projected uh, into my environment and I'm, I, need to, I need to catch that difference and maybe push back on those compulsions and push back on those impulses? And that's gonna be hard to do. That's what growth is. Growth is hard to do. It's you saying, okay, right now I feel like but, you know, maybe I'm just a six feeling all the stuff sixes feel. Maybe that's all this is. 
And the more attention I give this, the worse it's gonna get for me. Perhaps the best thing I could do right now is, is to back up and create some distance and some space between myself and whatever it is that I'm pursuing, analyzing, or trying to solve. Maybe I could create some distance there. Okay, so because you are a good problem solver, you may also be a problem seeker. A problem seeker. Um, I think that's just a good way of saying that when you are wired to solve problems, you're probably gonna see problems everywhere, even perhaps where they don't exist or where they didn't exist until you uh, found them. And now, guess what? Now you have a problem, and maybe everybody relating to you now has a problem. All right, I hope it's helpful for you guys. I'll see you next time, and as always, be present to life. Take care.